Good evening, Patriots. And it is Wednesday, June 15th in the year 2022. On the West Coast and on the East Coast, you have entered into Thursday. So good Thursday to you. Thursday is my busy day, too, tomorrow. And tomorrow, Thursday evening, we're going to be having a great show because we've got Greg Phillips on from 2000 Mules. Really gets into a lot of discussion about how they work the data and how data is organized to accomplish what they did, plus some other great discussions. So really encourage you to tune into that. So before we begin, just make sure that you're getting a good night's sleep. Sleep is one of those critical things that we unfortunately don't get enough of, and this particular war is designed to disrupt that with all that's going on within your mind. The best place to get a good night's sleep is my pillow. MyPillow.com forward slash Bards is the Bards Nation landing page for MyPillow. And there you'll see all the featured specials and all the fantastic products. And I use MyPillow products regularly and have now for well over a year. And I couldn't imagine living without them. The sheets, the pillows, the comforters, the mattresses, the mattress toppers, and even the My Slippers. And right now their My Slippers are on sale with a whole new line of My Slippers. They're an indoor-outdoor all-weather, all-terrain, my slipper. I think it's Mike Lindell's version of a four-wheel drive to put on your feet. But they're awesome. Check them out. There's a lot of new ones for men and women alike, and as well as sandals for the summer. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash bars. The sale on my slippers right now is $90 off, and then there's tons of other sales going on. And it's just, it's always such a refreshing thing to know that a company like that is Patriot Direct, meaning from company to you. And it is a company with a CEO that carries Christ in his heart and lives its values as a true patriot company. So the more that we can support those types of companies, the more we will be insured of a great future ahead. So again, MyPillow.com forward slash Bards. And you can also use that promo code, which your promo code is Bards, B-A-R-D-S. You can use it on the Frank Speech site, the My Store site, and of course the MyPillow site. And then if you want to speak to a real person, call 800-975-2939. 800-975-2939, and a Patriot Pillow Counselor is on standby to get you hooked up, and you won't be disappointed. You know, I've been thinking a lot about where we are in a state of things in this nation. And there is a lot of binary thinking. We are either good or bad. We are either pro-gun or anti-gun. We are pro-liberal, anti-liberal, pro-abortion, anti-abortion. Everything is in binary form. And what's really interesting is how extreme this has become. And and it's something that I've given a lot of thought to. And tonight I stumbled on something I want to read to you, which is very interesting. Now, I consider myself an audiophile. I love great music, and I love great music played on great pieces of equipment. And I'm not much for, even though I have some, and I'm not going to say I don't, my computer is a digital system, my camera now is a digital system, even my my portable recording system, which is like an eight-channel recording system, is digital. Those things we really can't get around at this point. But my love is analog. My love is tubes. My love is a world that we don't really have it's there and you can do it, but it's not as prevalent as it used to be by any means because there's a warmth and there's a reality in analog signals that 
don't really come through in digital. And this is something that we, as we've, if you've paid attention to music, especially audiophile levels, there has been this constant attempt to replicate the analog through digital, which is really kind of bizarre when you think about it. But that's been everything we've been doing. Digital ends up always trying to replicate. So if it's music or if it's an image, keep in mind that every single image ultimately that you take in a digital camera is based on a one and a zero at some rate. It always comes down to that, a one and a zero. Basically one switch on or one switch closed. And that's the same for audio signals. So one of the very fundamental concepts around analog and the way to explain it and the way people do explain it is that in an analog world, if you're listening to music such as vinyl, there are, as it's, and you're listening to a, an album on vinyl, through that entire process, there's going to be pieces of that sound that aren't there. It's going to be little gaps and, and corrupted elements. If you put it into digital, what the digital does is it goes back through and it cleans it all up and it adds and fills in the ones and zeros so that the sound is technically perfect. And that's exactly where, if you're, for some, it's, it's a very crisp sound. And in, for me, digital sound is too crisp. So as an example, I have a headphone amplifier that I use to listen with my Grado headphones. And I particularly bought this, this headphone amplifier because it was advertised in, in the terms of sound, the dirtiest headphone amplifier ever built. It's actually built by a company down in, in Los Angeles, and I'm not making this up. They, they call themselves, their, their name is Shit, S-H-I-I-T, and they just play on it all the time. But as you can imagine, what'd you buy? I bought a Shit amp. That's literally how they do it. Okay, so that's their name, S-H-I-I-T. But what's interesting is that when you listen to the, the corrupted, the quote, dirty amp, and you listen to it through just a straight digital amp, the warmth and the realism is very much there when you go to their corrupted or dirty amp. This is why I bought it, because the sound replication is beautiful. It's warm. It's the rich. The other side is perhaps more detailed in its perfection of the sound, but it lacks the reality and lacks the depth of what you would expect at a full concert. Analog was the common form in the 50s and the 60s. And so this is what I stumbled on tonight. And I was, I kind of sat back and I'm like, for all the time I've loved analog and have used analog and worked around analog or trying to replicate analog or try to bring analog into my life, I missed a very simple comparison. And it was this, that an analog signal is any continuous signal representing some other quality. But this is what's important, is that in contrast, a digital signal represents the original time-varying quantity as sampled, sequenced, and quantized values, which imposes some bandwidth and dynamic range. Now, that's a lot of words. What does that mean? The analog signal is a is a continuous signal and a continuous range. It is the closest thing we have to the true resonance of our voice and of the expression of things that we do and even the process which is which we think. There is no specific calibrated one or zero. A 
digital signal is based on a translation of an analog signal to a one and a zero. Now, this took me on just a short, I haven't done, done a deep dive too far on this yet, but I'm going to be doing a bigger one and I'll probably do a bigger show on this down the way. But this is what caught my eye, is that an analog computer is a type of computer that uses continuous variation aspect of physical phenomenon such as electrical, mechanical, or hydraulic quantities to model the problem being solved. In contrast, a digital, digital computers represent varying quantities symbolically and by discrete values of both time and amplitude, meaning there's only a one and a zero, and yet analog computers have a continuous. I didn't even know analog computers existed other than the idea of the old IBM tube computers, which is true. But these computers existed as late as into the 80s. And one of the areas that they were used most extensively in the, in the 60s and 70s was in flight simulators because they could handle a more complete analysis range and a wider range of complexity than a digital computer. And where does all this go? Because obviously it's like, okay, good. You just gave me a little science lesson. You're just talking about your passion of music. And yes, but here's the point. I want you to think about the world of World War II, your grandparents and perhaps your parents, depending on your age, in a world where things were always being created. There was a, so much creativity. When my dad talks about the way he grew up, they were constantly, they didn't have a lot of money, but that was common. It wasn't uncommon, and they weren't considered poor. They just didn't have a lot of money. So they made things, they fixed things, they worked with things. And there was an infinite range of solutions because it was about, there was no limitation on the way they thought. In the world we are now, we are limited by everything around us because we're given a binary option always. And what is so interesting about this is we've been shaped by the very computers that have been pushed into our society. Effectively, we have been consumed by a binary virus. When you look at fear, fear anymore is not about a, a moment of escalation. Fear is either you're afraid or you're not afraid. So when we talk about the injection, for example, it's actually quite simple. You were either going to take it or you, couldn't, you weren't going to take it. And the principal issue is you were afraid or you weren't afraid. You had faith or you didn't have faith. And we don't have the ability to compensate or to even discuss a plurality within the middle because our world is so binary. This creates a high level of complication when we start talking about scripture because God is not binary. Far from it. And yet our world, everything we have around our world is binary. I argue ultimately that binary is the tool of Satan because it takes and it mocks everything. Our visual plane, what we hear in our auditory area, our optical area, all of these areas that God gave us are infinite in range. Obviously, there's frequency limitations on top and bottom, or there's frequency, visible light frequencies that we can see and can't see. But we're not limited by any sort of binary. So if you've done martial arts, for example, as I'll use a number of examples tonight. We'll just use martial arts. Every body is unique. Every body 
that takes and that studies the martial arts will work with the style that they're in. And if they stay with it long enough, they will achieve a mastery. Their mastery may look extremely different than the master who's teaching them. But they will accomplish this art through the dynamics of their body that it fits them. There isn't a cookie cutter model. When we deal with justice, there's another one. If you talk to your parents or depending on age, grandparents or parents, we'll find that there's an interesting space about justice, that there was a always a level of humanity in early years of our country around justice in which there was circumstances were factored in. But as we've moved into the modern world and we've accepted this, in fact, there is a black and white. There is literally a one justice or it's justice or none. Like, so example, we say you did wrong, you're going to be punished. But that's not the way God is. And this is what I, as I've started to dig into this, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We're literally living through a conflict right now and not even realizing it. And the conflict is that God is not binary and Satan is. So as we're living within a binary world and we're accepting the binary rules, we're even looking at each other through a binary lens. Let's take the acceptance of Christ. You've either accepted Christ or you haven't. And therefore, we get into this thing What I talk about all the time is many people say, okay, I've accepted Christ, and then that's it. What we don't account for is there's a whole mass of people that are coming to Christ, and then once they accept Christ, then there's this whole range of someone who's accepted Christ and someone who's walking intimately with Christ, but it's a range within the middle that we don't ever consider, which is all important, including those that are coming to Christ, including those that accepted Christ and have left and are seeking in the analog principle of the world, that is all a normal process of living. It's the dynamic, it's this complex dynamic that's normal. But in the world that we live in, we always want to see something simple. A, B, light on, light off. That creates some real complications, if we don't recognize it, in trying to live through the perfection of Christ. Because Christ was not binary. Far from it. And at the core of any warrior, for that matter, no good warrior is binary. So here's another example. In Iraq, when they started the surge under General Petraeus, the elite operating units, Special Forces, Delta, Air Force Special Operations, Navy SEALs, Rangers, probably a few others, they were involved in doing direct action, capture-kill operations of high-value targets. One, what they call top-tier or tier-level one. And this was an ongoing operation. They were literally doing operations around the clock. Special forces were brought in from their mission. For For most of the special operations teams, like the Rangers, for example, it was a very easy it mission. It was what they do, precision, every day, doing the same thing over and over. And they became very good at it, very efficient at it. But special forces teams were brought over. And they were put into direct action. They were always trained in direct action, but this became their bread and butter. But here's what's interesting. And because I was part of some of this re 
training of special forces to get them back into their traditional mission later on. Direct action is like a binary operation. Sure, there's dynamics involved you have to deal with. It's a complex problem, but it's always pretty much the same thing. There's a stack. There's an assessment of the entry point. There's a breach of the entry point. There's an entry. There's a, there is a flow of how they work together in a system in close co combat operations, CQB. And there's a dispersion and clearing of the target zone until everybody is either neutralized and the target is either captured or killed and they're out. That over and over and over becomes like a binary option. There's In that model, there's only so many probabilities. But Special Forces' primary mission was engagement, building grill of armies. It was, it was dealing with the human factor, not just controlling the board, but having to interact with the board. Very different. So when this first really kicked up, this, a lot of this emphasis to reshift back to Special Forces mission was in Afghanistan under General Scott Miller. And this idea to get down into a local defense initiative, which was called LDI at the time, was to get special forces to go back to live in the villages like they did in their original missions and missions in Vietnam and work with the locals. And this became, this was a, a pretty clumsy period here for them, for the units that I worked with, not all, but the units I worked with, because they had been coming from a very direct action, binary type world going into a very dynamic world. And I will tell you, honestly, many of them thought it was garbage. They're like, I hate this. It doesn't have the energy. It doesn't have the excitement. It doesn't have the adrenaline until they got into it. And then they started to realize just how difficult it was to interact with people, to work sources and methods, to build assets, to kindle and nurture a team of local defense folks from the ground up at the village and to build trust and effectiveness in their, in their fighting force. That was an analog-type mission, continuously changing, continuously adapting. But even more complex is that the soldiers that were in originally in Special Forces came from an analog world. So it was native to them to think this way, to be creative, to reach out. And a lot of the Special Forces concept came from an analog origin. So they were accustomed to one guy doing three or four different skill sets. He was native. You didn't just do one thing. So if you were a 18 Bravo, which is a gun specialist, it would be normal that you would also become a mechanic. It would be normal that you would also become a welder. It'd be normal that you would also become a medic. It'd be normal that you'd also become, you know, the, the comms position. And vice versa, if you're an 18 Delta and you were a medic, then you would be normal that you would know the medic piece and then you would also learn the gun piece and you would learn the communication piece and the intel piece. All of that is in a special forces team. But it, was, it wasn't something that had to be trained as much as it was native to people who, who people were. In the modern iteration of special forces, I'm not taking anything away from these guys. I'm just being very clear. But there is a subject that's coming into the training that has con been conditioned into a binary world. So they're accustomed to doing one thing. In their world, it's I'm going to become a specialist in this, but then they have to work and everything becomes compartmentalized. I do this mission, this mission, this mission. And there lacks this sort of organic plurality 
that existed in the original teams. And I can say that with a fact because I was trained originally in my service time from Vietnam special operations guys who came from that route. And then I was later working with and had the pleasure of even giving some training back to guys that are of the modern world, which is more about the binary world. All of this is critical to appreciate in our world as we start looking at scripture. We're dealing with a world right now that is rejecting God or accepting God. And that black and white piece is either you like God or you hate God. This is literally the world we're in right now. And there's really not much room in the middle. And we talk about it too because the world is coming to this place where God's putting a sword to the world and it's dividing. But there is, in the world that we're in and growing into God, growing into God is not just an accepting or not accepting. It's a complete range of events. It's the continuous flow of knowledge and, and richness in the relationship. And with that, we develop a rather profound appreciation for one another. And I think my personal opinion, as I've been working on this this evening, it struck me that, and I go back to music, the love of music is like the love of thy neighbor. So follow me on this. In a binary song, when you listen to a binary recording, there is usually a pretty simple reaction. You either love or hate it. And it is designed in such a way that even in your hearing, all music that's truly binary will end up fatiguing your ears. The music that is binary, that is processed to sound like analog, which is the kind of the comedy of this whole thing, will tend to be more rich and more receptive to who we are. If you're listening to true music originated from the analog piece, there's a greater warmth and richness in the experience. And the experience in that music piece tends not to wear out. This is really indicative when you look at older times when people were listening to music on different forms, but always analog, and how they could listen to a piece many times over and not fatigue from it. Now, that isn't a hard, hard fast rule, and I'm not going to overstate that as far as like a perfected theory of how everything works, but I'm just trying to give you a snapshot on something. Our world right now lacks a great deal of empathy. Empathy is not binary. Empathy, in fact, is very analog. And when we talk about loving thy neighbor or we talk about having appreciation for where somebody is, praying for somebody, we tend to default on a very native now to us binary response. Good and evil, black and white. It is, I'm going to pray for them or I'm not going to pray for them. They're worthy of prayer. They're not worthy of prayer. But God is a more is a much richer God than that. And God's infinite love for us and infinite forgiveness for us is not binary. And that's the part I keep coming back to, that how profound it is that our world, which was analog, and at the time with it, there's a correlation between analog and the acceptance of God in our world. Maybe not church attendance, but people were more involved with God. The Bible was more in the center of the home. Today, literally, I mean, the Bible being at the center of the home is a very rare thing. And the majority of people don't grow up even having an understanding of what the Bible is, let alone an understanding of what a relationship with God. And I would argue that it's very difficult, the barrier that we may be facing in some of this with this generation in particular, 
is that being that they have now embraced a binary world of a one or a zero, appreciating the love and warmth of an analog world, which is God's world, which is infinite in range, isn't something they can necessarily relate to. Analog electronics, as an example, by definition, is an electronic system that is continuously variable signal. God's signal is continuously variable. Now, I'm not saying God is, understand, I'm very careful here because I'm going to get somebody going, you're saying God is, a, is an analog computer. No, I'm not. <laughs> so get the metaphor if you don't get it. Just so we, it's like me saying, I'm not an investment advisor. I don't wear a white coat and I don't wear, I don't play a doctor on TV. Just so we're clear and there's no confusion because I don't want anybody coming back going, oh my goodness, I can't believe what you were saying. There is a richness in having dynamic range and a continuously variable range. There's a warmth. There's a potentiality in that. And the world that we're in is telling us constantly that it's either A or B, yes or no, can or can't. But God doesn't tell us can't. God may rebuke us and push us back some. God may hold us some as a good father will, but God never tells us that we can't do something. And the acceptance of the can't comes from a world that has accepted a binary framework. So what does it look like then when somebody reads scripture and they're coming at scripture from a binary point of view? I can give you some examples. With that point of view, then you're going to see that for example, that there is revelation is like, it's all over. It's done. And it becomes a very binary issue. If you approach Christianity from the outside and you come into this binary mindset, it's all you're going to hear is either I'm good and and when with you or I'm a sinner. And that starts to repel people as well. Christ in his words, are not binary. He's rich. It's full of flavor. It's full of depth. It's full of love. It's full of unbelievable knowledge. And the more that we read it at the source of of Scripture is the more that it opens itself up to you. As I've said many times, a great quote that was shared with me is that when you read the Bible, the more you read the Bible, the more the Bible reads you, which is a really amazing statement. And that is a dynamic relationship, continuously variable, by definition, analog. We're facing a lot of challenges in this world that are being framed by our media, framed by our world, framed by the interaction of everything we do as a one and a zero. And even more complex is that the worlds that we're in and the interactive digital space that we're in, everything that we're visually seeing, though we may see words on the screen, though we may see images on the screen, at some level our mind is processing what that actually is and that actual thing that we're seeing on the screen is a one or a zero just like the matrix, and you've seen that on the screen. Now, how do we get past this? Because that's, to me, a trap. That, to me, is a fix, a fixing trap that limits our potential and our ability within God and without our relationship with Christ. And I don't like to be limited, especially when we have a, a God that loves us infinitely, and we've been given these amazing blessings by Christ, one of which is John fourteen twelve. truly, truly, I say to you, 
The one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. That's a profound statement, but it's not going to happen if I'm saying yes or no, can or can't. One of the great things about being in the garden is that nature is not binary. In fact, it's very dynamic and very unpredictable. And so it comes down to some fundamental things of skills, real hands-on skills versus the digital realm. When you work with wood, wood is not binary. You measure, there's, you cut, you plane, you sand, you build, you shape, you drill, you, you fix, you assemble, many things. And it's not binary. In fact, that's where we get into this refinement of this infinite because the difference between a person who makes something and person who is a master of something is there's a warmth and the master understands that the material and becomes relationship with the material has another way he can see into the material and see what it's going to produce based on the deeper qualities of that material. That again is not binary. A person who makes something, take for example, someone who just assembles cabinets, just makes boxes. That is a repetitious exercise. They're going to get plywood. The plywood has to be of a certain depth. They get a certain quality. They set up the jigs. They're going to run through. They're going to mill it through. In fact, many shops now just use CNC machines and the whole computer and system cut it all and it becomes repetitious one after the other, unique. Not one thing unique, but everything the same. But when you get something that's handmade, there's a quality in that. What is that? We can refer to it as the aesthetic, but it's deeper than that. Because it's a relationship that the builder has, the maker has with the product, with the wood, with the natural resource to bring out its finest qualities in a way that a machine can never do. Now look at the world they're trying to force us into. We're being propelled into a world where computers and robots are supposed to make everything. Everything will be exactly the same when it's made. One cup to the next cup. One soccer ball to the next soccer ball. One clothing item to the next clothing item. Exactly, precisely the same, perfect, perfectly done every single time, the same number of stitches, every single time the exact precision cuts. There is no difference between the first product off the line to the last product off the line. And we end up being part of a system, a cog in the wheel of creating a repetitious of perfection. Digital photography is a lot like this, where the obsession to create higher resolution, resolution sensors is to create a higher resolution photograph with finer refinements, but it lacks some of the more intrinsic qualities that come from film. If you've worked with film, you understand that there is a softness, there is a, a sense of film that takes is a different relationship than with digital. In film, for example, there's 30, roughly 35 frames, 36 frames in a camera when you load it without a film back. In digital, there's an infinite number of frames, and so I can just shoot away, not worry about it. My time, my focus, my skill sets don't have to be the same on digital as they do on, on film. And that's an ongoing argument that goes on to this day, and many people disagree with that, and that's fine. I don't care. It doesn't, but there's an expressive quality within the nature of the, of the medium that in an analog world where there is a dynamic, there is a warmth, and there's an interaction and a realism that doesn't exist within binary. Take a look at meta. This metaverse that they're trying to create right now, it is cheesy on so many levels. And yet, there is an acceptance of the cheesiness 
and an unrealness because there's an eagerness to want to be in this new binary infinite world. But it's so imperfect, and it's all based on ones and zeros. You can't replicate the, the infinite quality of God's world, which is literally infinite. So when we bring this all around, the reason I'm pushing on this so much tonight is that the warmth within our relationship of Christ isn't binary, and it's something I think that deep within us we're going to have to reflect on because we are so deeply shaped by binary. Even myself, and that's what I was. This is where this all began because I said, "My goodness, everything we're doing now, even in the in the way we talk about things, the way we're shaping our narratives, the way we're looking at our world, we're being led into a trap of a b one zero yes no." And that's where often I think in our own approach to Scripture, we find ourselves at times in conflict with what God's wanting us to do. It makes a lot more sense when we see the world with this infinite variable scope that God has. And that's not totally capable within our world, but we also have lost much of our framework to where that was. I argue I think it was easier for people 200 years ago to relate to the complexities and nuances within Scripture than it is today. Because life was very real. Remember, our country was founded by pastors, ultimately. These were pastors that were the responsible for the rise of the revolution. They understood God's word, but they also understood in a deeper nuance that there was a time when we had to draw a line. But it wasn't a hard one and zero. Even the rise of the Black Robe Regiment, which is legendary in the Revolutionary War, there came a point when the pastor, one of the famous pastors of that time, had to step across that line, and he did. But leading up to that was a continual progression to that point. It just wasn't a flip of a switch. So if we take today in midst of the frustration that people feel for the lack of justice or the lack of ends, we're being influenced by a binary world, and a world which says, take it all now and that's it. When you talk to people and you say, this is going to be a fight that's going to be enduring, it will go on for 10 or 20 years, people go, oh, I don't know if I can handle that. Why not? Well, the reason it becomes a difficult mental exercise to handle it, arguably, is because you have a world they're coming from, which is a binary world, one or zero, win or lose. This didn't get here overnight when you're dealing with a swing of a clock pendulum, if you've seen that. And I say that because we're such in a digital world, most people have a digital watch. I don't. I keep a, I keep a hand-wound watch with me all the time. That's what I wear because it it's gets back to the more fundamental principles of who we really are. But in a digital world, when you have like an iWatch or whatever, everything is digital, there is a lack of appreciation for even some of the mechanics that goes into a watch. The clock works itself, which keep everything in a line, and especially on older clocks with a pendulum, where there is literally a swinging of that pendulum. That's life. So I find it rather profound where we sit now. And the challenges that we're facing as a nation, so much of this is rooted in our complex problem of having to detach from binary and return to an analog place. That gets us back to things like cottage industries. It gets us back to gifts and talents. It gets us back to taking responsibility for your life and being accountable for what you create and make. 
That's a more analog world. In the binary world, it's what's my job? How much do I get paid? Here's my bills. This is how much I need to make. And with that, I'm good. So the world that we're walking into is starting to unravel. And we're accelerating into this unraveling at a phenomenal pace. And with it, at the core of this is going to be a necessity to have a solid foot on the rock of faith. We're not going to get through it otherwise. And this rock of faith is is really profound because it doesn't say that you're there like a steel pole driven into that rock that you won't move. Quite to the contrary, as the storm slashes upon us, we're all, all going to feel like we're being shifted off of this rock. But we know that our faith in God will keep us there. That's not a binary issue. That's a dynamic issue that our faith is moving and ebbing and flowing with the storm in as it could needs to to adapt our footing to what comes at us. But on that house on sand, that's a whole house that's there that's sat on a basis of sand that as it comes, there's nothing else to hold it and it will sink. That's the A and the B, the one and the zero. It's rather profound. In the worlds that we're facing because we are looking at a world over here with many people that are not prepared for the dynamic change and dynamic challenges that are coming at them. Again, faith gives us that. It is fluid with our lives. But Satan's world is not. Satan's world is accept me or reject me. We're seeing that with the whole LGBTQ sense. Acknowledge me, that's not enough. Accept me, that's not enough. Support me, accept me, acknowledge me, wave my flag. Now we're getting it. And if you deny any of those things, then you're out. That's binary. And that's Satan's trap. Our greatest challenge is to try to bring as many as we can from the binary into God's beautiful, dynamic, rich, and analog world that has multiple colors. It has the ability that we, as we live within the body of Christ, that we don't all see things the same way, but we have the common love that brings us together. That's like the fabric of the music. When you put on a vinyl album, if you've done this, it's beautiful. I'd love to hear some of the pops and the imperfections. But you take time beforehand to prep that vinyl. You put the vinyl on the platter, you're going to do some sort of cleaning. Maybe it's with a magnetic brush. Maybe it's going to use some sort of liquid. You're going to clean it. You're going to get the vinyl just ready. Then you're going to start the platter, and the platter is going to spin up to speed. You might have a belt drive. You might have a direct drive. But you're going to see the little sequence of lights, perhaps or not. You'll just get it up to speed. And then you're going to take the tone arm. You're going to lift it up if you don't have an automatic. But we'll talk manual. And that cartridge is just going to be sitting there. It's going to be a tiny cartridge, like a Grado FTE plus one. And there's going to be a tiny little needle. And you're going to gently set that down. And you're going to have perhaps a cushioning drop, a damper that lowers that arm down. It's the anticipation of it dropping onto the vinyl. And then you hear those first initial pops and cracks as it moves through. And then the sound begins to come to life. As the needle vibrates through the grooves in the, in the, in the platter of vinyl, in this the vinyl plate, it starts to resonate and it creates a warmth. And that warmth is translated. Not If you translate it through a binary thing, it's very crisp. Sure, you can hear it. But when you go through tubes and tubes are, are analog, there's a warmth in the whole tube. Just like the tube itself warms up, there's a warmth that comes out of that. There's no one or zero in that range. It's just an infinite calibration. And see, that's faith. That's faith. As we move along, and that's the beauty of faith. Because faith isn't just one song and it isn't just one note. 
faith is also the imperfections in the stamp of the vinyl that you hear it pop or crack. Faith is listening to the whole album. Some you really love, some you don't. But it's the experience from front to back. Faith knows that when you someone slams a door and you're running that needle, it might jump a track and you're going to have to pick it up and set it again. And then you have to get your focus back. But faith is also this miraculous piece, like, a, like Mozart and the magic flute, where suddenly as it plays and you've got these headphones on that are helping bring into this life in your world. And as these, this music builds and the crescendos build and fall and the delicacies, you start to see the placement of the sound in the room. Faith takes on dimension. And suddenly you go from being a person sitting in a chair just listening to music to living within an experience of a concert, of a performance. And all the pieces are moving. And you never want to leave. You just want it to keep playing and playing. And the beautiful thing is that that's exactly what God gave us. And in the intimate relationship that we have with God, that music never does stop. And that music continues to play. And we get to love both the perfection and the imperfections because all of that makes one incredible symphony. And we're not living with doubt and we're not living with fear and we're not living with the can'ts and the I'm, it's impossible. And we're not living with the chaotic noise. We're living in the perfection of God's world that has challenges, it has ups and downs, but at the end of the day, the entire experience is that symphony, is that performance that we were part of living through it. And we never forget and we never leave. At the National Theater in Prague, I had the opportunity to witness and hear the performance of Mozart's Magic Flute. It is one of the greatest performances I have ever heard and seen. The performance was in German. The performance was in this hall that was over 200 years old. The seats I had were in the balcony, good seats. The sound in every seat in that, in that performance hall was perfect. It's an unforgettable experience. It's like walking into God's kingdom in so many ways. And that's truly faith in, in a metaphorical sense. And that's a world that we're not in, but a world that we're seeking. The incredible part of where we are right now is we are in that valley of decision and can decide which way to go. And as we pursue that world and that exodus towards God, we find ourselves wanting to go back to go forward. What a profound idea that God's given us. And to step back in the world and an opportunity to remake the world. So I want to leave you just with these thoughts. Imagine a world where we remake everything based on an analog format. We reject binary. 
We go back to computers that are analog. We go back to everything that's based on analog. That means our hands are getting dirty more often. That means we have gears and wheels instead of switches of ones and zeros. It means we have tubes and we have wiring and we have all these things that are imperfect to create the, this living perfection that God's offering us. It means we have gardens and it means we have hard work every day because nothing is given and everything is achieved ultimately through our love through him. That world is ours to take. Our world is ours to reset, but we have to have the courage to step away from all the binary traps. Remember, those traps are as obvious as anything. Republican, Democrat, good, evil. All of that is a binary trap. God's world is not that simple. But he's offering us something of infinite. Something so warm, it is truly going to be that perfect piece of vinyl that you put down to play on the perfect turntable with the perfect cartridge. The $10,000 Grado. With the $3,000 Grado headset or the $10,000 set of MagnaPens all run through some sort of incredible amp system that's all tubes that when it plays, you're no longer in the same space because you know you're walking within the perfection of God's faith. That's where, for me, that is the metaphors I use as the, I talk about the Exodus and where I see us going. It's a vision of pure, incredible challenge and perfection that ultimately surrounds us and sets us free. Let's pray. Father, come to you tonight just very humbled. Just a beautiful place that we've talked about tonight in the, the creation of the infinite, the creation of the perpetual and not the binary. Father God, we, we've, we have really sunk ourselves into a world right now where everything is a one and a zero. And so tonight, just the prayers are simple, just to release us from those latches and those bonds, to open our minds to something greater and, and something that is not as simple, and for some that might be frightening, less predictable and more dynamic, a world that offers the unlimited potential that you give us. Let us embrace that in our hearts and explore that and discover that as we move forward. Guide us on the quest, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It's a beautiful place to walk, and I would encourage just sharing a personal passion of mine. I would encourage, if you have the opportunity, if you have the chance, to explore the analog space of music, I think it is probably one of the more rewarding things we can do. Music, physical music is not analog. And I, of course, I've been talking a lot about listening to music, recorded music. But just the principles of all of that, to set ourselves free from the limitations and bonds that binary creates. Because it is a different world. It, ours was hijacked. And there's no question about it because everything that we were doing up until the 50s was based on analog until the digital chip came in. 
And then once that happened and all of the attractions of the speed and the, the glitz and the snap and the pop and the one and the zero, all these little tight little things that go along with digital, that is what grabbed us. But in the analog world, it's a little slower. It's a little more complex. It takes more parts and moving pieces. But it's so much richer, so much more incredible, and so much more reflective of God. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. I, prayers right now, I think we need a lot of prayers just to release ourselves from the limitations that our world has put upon us that sadly too many have accepted. God is with us and he will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war and it is a very complex war. But our way through is simple. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Don't be limited. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow afternoon for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove That we could stand here too All the nights through fight for all we had to lose reaching out for something to pull us up to level ground oh i can see it now i can see it now Somehow, 
Thank、you.